Um, unfortunately, my mom was a, a teen mom, you know, uh, wasn't married, uh, had me at 18 years old. And, uh, you know, it was just me and moms for a while, moved to Detroit. Um, she married, her husband adopted me. I wasn't really, you know, feeling my man like yeah. that, wasn't feeling the relationship. Um, and so, you know, just, just a down, downward spiral, didn't take school serious, didn't take life serious. And I end up at 16, so rebellious, you know, so angry with my mom that I eventually got kicked out the house. I'm living in abandoned buildings, eating out of trash cans, you know, hanging with the wrong group, just going the wrong way, man. And, you know, one day I was like, man, I want better. You know, like I can't, I'm looking at guys on the block. You know, you either end up in jail or you're dead. Like you don't retire from the life that we were living. And I was like, this can't, it's not, it's not for me, man. Like I, I gotta be able to do something better. You know, and so I made my move. You know, I, I got in a different environment. I started going to church, started dating this young lady who really, you know, held me accountable. She's like, I'm going to college and I'm not dating a high school dropout. You know, and so I end up getting my GED going to college. And for real, a lot of people didn't believe in me. Your mom, you know, came from nothing. You know, your daddy wasn't in your life. You didn't do well in school. So there's a there's a journey for that type of person. And I was like, hey, not for me. You know, I'm, I'm going to be somebody. And although people didn't believe, I always say it. Sometimes when you're running a company, when you first start a company, you got to be the CEO, the CFO, the COO. <laughs> you know, you got to be the administrative assistant, the mail, mail clerk. You got to do everything. You know, mailman, you got to do it all. And so for my personal life, I became that person for me. And I, I want everybody to hear this. Now there are hundreds of people, maybe even thousands, I don't know, who believe in me. But it all happened because I believed in myself. So once you invest in yourself, people are willing to invest in you. And I get tired sometimes. You know, kids call me, Mr. Thomas, I have this business or I have this, this idea. I want you to invest, you know, 3,000 pounds. I'm like, that's your dream. That's your vision. You have to invest in it more than anybody else. And when you do that, then you'll get other people to support you. So that's just what I believe. You got to believe in yourself before anybody else is going to buy into your vision. For me, the one thing I love about my haters uh, is they give me uh, a perspective that my mother doesn't give me. My mom loves me so much. And I think, you know, there are times where, you know, she may want to correct me and she's like, I don't want to hurt his self-esteem. Mm -hmm. You know, or my wife, you know, may not say a certain thing because she's like, I'm not 100% sure. I'm not in the field. Maybe I shouldn't say that. But I find that my haters say what's on their mind. And sometimes what they say is is real. You know, that there are some adjustments that I need to make. You know, not, now I don't take their hate and allow it to tear me down, but there are things that they say you know, about me. I'll never forget this one guy who was hating on me was talking about how I had four or five jobs. You know, he's like, he's doing this and he's doing that, and he's doing that. And I thought about it one day and was like, okay, what is he saying? Now, take away that he's not making his dreams become a reality and he's jealous about the fact that I'm fearless, that I, I'm going out here and I'm trying it. But there, there was some validation in what he was saying in that if you're doing too much and you don't have a, a solid focus, you may not be getting the most out of your life. And I was like, you know what, this guy, he's telling the truth. And so I started to narrow my focus. And I quit my job at Michigan State and started doing free, thank God, is money. And I'm traveling across. Mm -hmm. So the dude was right. <laughs> there were a couple things that I was doing that was really taking me away 
from, from going from good to great. The job was, you know, my wife loved the stability. She loved the 401k, the health plan. You know, I was getting a steady check. You know, my wife loved that. When I left that job, that job did not allow me to come to London because I can only take off for so many weeks. I only had so much time off. So, honestly, nobody else was courageous enough to say, this guy's got four or five jobs, but this guy, he's doing too much. And I sat down one day and said, you know what, he might be right. You know, and then what I love about my haters as well is that I know they don't want me to succeed. So there are times, honestly, when I'm thinking about sleeping in, I'm like, my haters would love this. Or making an error. I'm on the road and I'm, you know, thinking about maybe doing something I don't have no business doing. And I'm thinking, how would my hater like to see this in the newspaper? <laughs> they take this and laminate this and put this on the wall. They put this on the wall. They probably start their own blog and start their own radio show and just talk about, I told you, I told you so. I told you he wasn't the father you thought he was or the husband you thought he was. Or I told you he didn't have the integrity that you think that he had. And so those are the two ways that I use my haters, you know, to push me you know, to a, to a place where my loved ones, and trust me, my loved ones have supported me, you know, in ways I can't even imagine. But my haters have given me that extra, that edge, that advantage, that I know that they're always in the backdrop waiting for me to make a mistake. They're waiting for me to fall. They're waiting for me. They're waiting for me, you know, to come out with a video that doesn't represent, you know, the videos I've done yeah. before. They're waiting. And so um, I'm gonna keep them waiting. <laughs> Good looks so close to great. Some of the characteristics are, are so the traits are so close, yeah. but it's not. And so that's why I, I hate good because it looks like great. It's not, but average, man, average people, you know, they don't serve my food properly. <laughs> you know, they don't pick me up when they said they were going to pick me up. You know, they say eight, but they meant nine, you know, uh, and, and I tell people the reason why I'm so aggravated is because, uh, you know, for real, honestly, and this may sound weird to you guys in the studio, but if you, if you burn down my house as much as it may you know, be like, oh, you burned down my house, I can buy another one. And you, they can actually, my grandmother's house was burned down about five years ago, and we grew up in that home. Listen to me, guys. They redid the house, it looks exactly like the house we grew up in. It's not the house, but it looks exactly like the house. You could take my money out the bank, guys, and I could get a couple more engagements and I can put that money back. But once you take time from me, I can never get that back again. I can never get yesterday back. I can't get a, a second back in 2012. I can't get it back. So I take time so serious because it's the only commodity that once is spent, you can never regain it. And so average people don't understand the importance of time. And so that's what aggravates me is that while you're being average, you're dragging me into your reality when that's not my world. And I don't want to live in that world. So I like to hang with great people because they get it, you know, and people who are good transitioning to great, they're not stuck in great. They get it. They understand my passion. They understand I was with uh, Edgar Davis yesterday. We are talking and it's a wonderful conversation because we both get it. And we're going back and forth and back and forth. He was one of the best. We're going back and forth and back and forth. And he's like, Eric, I don't understand some of these guys that play now. They don't have to drive. They're not hungry. And it's because they don't see that opportunities have to be seized. You have to, and so that's why I, I have a problem with average and good. They frustrate me because they're facade. They look to be a certain thing, but in reality, it's not what it appears. Every day in Africa, in the safari, 
a lion wakes up. Every single day in a safari, a lion wakes up, right? And, and every single day in a safari, a gazelle wakes up. It says that if you wake up and you're a gazelle, you realize if you're going to survive as a gazelle, if you're going to survive, you must outrun the slowest gazelle. In your mind, you're thinking you got to outrun the fastest lion. That's not the truth. You just got to stay ahead of the slow gazelle. That's it. Every single day when you wake up, whatever it is that you do professionally, you better make sure you're not in the back of the pack. You better be as close to the front, if not up front, as possible because every single day when the lion wakes up, it's only one thing on that lion's mind and that is catching the gazelle that couldn't keep up. What the gazelle realizes is that the way it operates, that the way it performs, that the way it goes about its daily business is contingent upon life and death. That if that gazelle does not do what he or she is supposed to do, it will be eaten by a lion. Even if you are a lion, even if you are a lion and you have the advantage that when the sun comes up, if you are a gazelle or a lion, you better get to running. Because if you are a lion, a gazelle is still not going to come to you and say, just eat me. I don't care how deep you are as a lion. When you wake up, nothing is going to come to you. Nobody's going to give you anything. They're still not giving stuff to E.T. I still have to work. I still have to fly 20 hours to get to Australia. I still have to go to London. I still have to do free stuff in Detroit. I still have to drive. I'm a lion. And when the sun comes up, I still have to get to running. Here's the challenge though. I asked myself when I read that story, that's what's on the surface. I read it and I started asking myself, E.T., what's the difference between the gazelle and what's the difference between the lion? What's the difference? I know that they're wired differently, but what's the difference? And what I discovered is that the gazelle is running from something. The gazelle is running from something. So as long as the lion is chasing the gazelle, the gazelle is running. But as soon as the lion stops chasing the gazelle, it stops. That's a lot of you in this room. You will run. You'll do what you're supposed to do. As long as you're getting pushed, as long as you're getting motivated, as long as somebody is encouraging you, as long as somebody's coaching you, as long as somebody's pushing you, as long as somebody's prodding you, you're doing what you're supposed to do. As long as somebody's calling you, as long as someone is enticing you, as long as somebody's giving you rewards, you're moving. But as soon as that stops, you stop. I asked myself the question about the lion and I said the lion is not running to be rewarded. The lion is running to eat.
Every single day, the lion is running to eat because the lion realizes when he kills the gazelle, not only does he eat the gazelle, but he brings it back home. You've got to ask yourself, what's your why? What motivates you? What pushes you? What drives you? And if that thing is internal, if nobody has to call you, if nobody has to prod you, if nobody has to reward you, if nobody has to give you anything, if you are self-motivated and self-regulated, you can have it, you can be it, you can do it.